Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan presents Football at Four. Here's The Drive. What did you see from the offense today? It's not what I'm hoping to see on film today. It's what I'm hoping to see tomorrow, then, corrections. I thought on the offensive field where I was, we had too many false starts. I, I thought we we tired pretty quickly. You know, um, they were going a lot of plays relative to maybe what they're used to and, and even more than, than a real game would present. But I, I think it's good from a conditioning standpoint. You know, mentally, there's some mental toughness that that's required to play poise, all those things required to, not to play, but to play well and to win. No praise. No praise for his offense. Nate Jackson, DMAC, KJ, what's happening, y'all? Today, out there at the joint practice, I guess if you have to say there's a winner or a loser, I mean, I suppose you could give it to the Rams, but I don't think it was by any kind of slam dunk measure. I suppose they had a better moment at the end on a two-minute drive than the Broncos did, but again, that was at the very end of practice. Uh, the Broncos' offense is kind of a roller coaster up and down, but it wasn't like the, the Rams were lighting it up. It was a skirmish, a couple little skirmishes, but nothing significant of notes. So, and, and one of the highlights, and we'll talk about it later, is Randy Gradishar being virtually elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he spoke for quite a while. It was great to be around Randy Gradishart today. Nate, your overall feeling about practice today? Yeah, I think that, you know, and judging from what Sean Payton said there, not a, not a great practice, particularly for the offense. I think the defense did did fine, but to me, there I saw some some holes opening up uh, opening up in those that defensive line, and some runs getting to the second level. Not a lot of thudding, not a lot of hitting. So also hard to see who would have won those contests. But I think the Rams probably did win the day. You mentioned that play at the very end there that that got the whole offense to celebrate. Yep. I mean, they were all cheering. And when, a home, moment. when a home moment like that happens, that's the one moment of practice, right? Mm. So I think the Rams got them there. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't ignore the drops that these guys had. It wasn't just Jerry Judy. Uh, Marquez Callaway had a big drop. Okay. Kendall Hinton had a drop. Corlin Sutton had a drop. I think some of that was a velocity thing that Russell Wilson was really humming it in there, D-Mac. But the, one of J, uh, Jerry Judy's drops was just a perfectly thrown deep ball in the corner of the end zone. That's a to catch you got to have. I and thought I saw like four drops from Jerry no, Judy. No, I, I, I did too. Okay. I did too. And it's uh, that's 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 an issue. That is a big issue with this team because you are counting on Jerry Judy to be a big spark for this team. He can do things that nobody else can do. You've picked up his fifth-year option. You're giving him a lot of money. He's the receiver with the second most experience in that room, and you're thin already because you've lost Tim Patrick. You lost Jalen Virgil. You lost, you know, Brandon Johnson's coming back, but who's going to go down next? So you need Jerry Judy to play better, and Sean Payton is, is alluding to that. He said he was, yeah. He said you get paid to catch the ball. He, he did say that. But yeah. he also talked about how Marcus Colston used to every once in a while – drop a pass early, but then he'd rattle off 12 straight after that. So you didn't see that from Jerry. You didn't see him bounce back, which is a concern. Sean Payton does. I think it's kind of cool the way he does. We're all getting to know each other. He very, I mean, extremely rarely will will point out an individual by name for criticism. However, he's quick to reference things as in total um, without being specific, and you all just know what he's talking about. You know, because it's so painfully obvious the vast majority of the time. So he has a way of being critical while not throwing a guy under the bus. 
I think that's pretty cool. I think that's a good way to go about it. You? Yeah. And he was asked specifically about Jerry Judy's mm-hmm. drops. And, and what do you, you know, how do you correct that? What do you do with that? So he had to answer that. And and he's an offensive coach. And he's a former quarterback. you, you got to remember, this guy's yeah. a, a record setting quarterback at Eastern Illinois. He mm-hmm. holds the record for most passing yards in a game there. That's it's wild, like 500 man. something. So to this day. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, at least that's what Wikipedia says. Good for him. Maybe it hasn't been updated. Maybe he made the entry in Wikipedia. Can, I don't know. Uh, I asked the special teams, Kotwika? Kowika? Kotwika. Kotwika. I asked him about the yips uh, for kickers. Mm. And, hey, Maher seems to have nailed this thing. Also, they cut that other long snapper, so Fabroni wow. got that job. Okay. So now, I, f- I forgot they had two long snappers, honestly, and... So now that your your special team seems to be dialed in, I think this is what you're going to see to to begin the season. I know there were some rumors about you know a deal or whatever, and Will I mean, Lutz maybe coming back. I just think Mar is is I mean, is he going to cost us a game? I mean, history would tell you yes, but you know. I, I don't know. You know, he's also had a lot of success too. I think you're set in that department, but can receivers have the yips? Of course. <clears throat> of course, it's that thing I was telling you about before. If, you, if you're thinking about catching the ball, when the ball's in the air, you turn around, the ball's spinning at you. If you're thinking, i got to catch this. How do you get that high? Then you're going to drop it. High, high level, though. How do you go that far and develop the yips? Because, because he's just so good at running routes, and he's always been so open. You know, T.O. didn't have great hands. Is that right? No. He didn't, he didn't catch the ball smoothly. He caught it with his body a lot. A lot of times he wouldn't go up and high All right, let's, stuff. Let's take some time and break down Jerry Judy then and, and tell me really mechanically what's going on. Yeah, so. Is, is this a physical thing or is this how, – how big of a worry is this? Today it would have – today, I'll tell you this. Today it would have cost him the game, okay? And it's it, cost him games in the past. It has. It has. This, We've, this is not, We'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. Bad. Coming up next. The Drive on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Uh, that's funny, man. We found some um, audio from Barstool from uh, Tony Scheffler. Man, that's what Tony looks like these days. Holy cow. Yep. <laughs> All right. Mustache. What's he doing? Do you know? He lives in Michigan. He's a high school um, basketball coach. Is that what he's doing? A girls high school basketball coach and he's been very successful. He loves it. That's awesome. Is he a, a his, his alma mater is, is he, to, to is my he, No. He's just coaching. He also does like real estate and like he raises like cattle and does all sorts of stuff. Okay. He made a decent amount of money and so he's he's doing that thing that the the, the former rich guys do where they just have their you know a bunch of pots boiling. Um but he loves coaching and uh he's coaching girls basketball and all right, well, we'll get, we'll he, get to it. He's a good coach. He's turned this program around. I think they won state. Okay. All right. KJ, we'll get Michigan. to that when you can. Um, Tony Scheffler bringing up some um, fun memories. He was, he was, Tony was my boy, and he was a, he was a rookie here, and his, his, his coach, his tight end coach was Tim Brewster. We oh, come. Wow. We come. That's awesome. So I know. That's awesome. That the guys that Brew is coaching up in Boulder are yep. going to have a, we coming. a tough him. time. That's They're going to have a tough time. He'll make you hate football. Sal Palantonio on ESPN today. Let me be really clear about this, right? Russell Wilson is on this football team because they gave up a basket full of players and draft picks, and they paid him $245 million to stay in Denver, come to Denver, stay there in the Mile High City. Sean Payton was brought in to fix Russell Wilson. 
He's already used the bully pulpit to set the narrative that Nathaniel Hackett was the problem last year and we can fix this, right? It wasn't Russell Wilson, it was Nathaniel Hackett. He's got nowhere else to go but to fix Russell Wilson, and I believe that he will. In my many years on the matchup show, we've always said Sean Payton is the best play designer and the best play caller of this generation in the NFL, and I believe that. We have shown that over and over again. So if he is... Then he go back to that video that we showed of Russell Wilson in the preseason game. There was a free rusher in a preseason game, Lewis, mm-hmm. coming into Russell Wilson's face, right? He looks off the, pre, uh, the free rusher, turns his body, throws a strike down the middle for a touchdown pass on a crossing route. Jared Stedham, in my opinion, is not going to be able to do that right. when you have a struggling offensive line. It has to be Russell Wilson. That's why Sean Payton's there. He was brought in to fix Russell Wilson. Is this, is this uh, interview happening in a submarine? What was going on there? <laughs> the audio is suspect, but it was on ESPN. Yep. Fix Russell Wilson. I don't think that's the. I don't think that's the job. I don't think that's what Sean Payton's trying to do. You know? Mm-mm. You don't think no. the Panthers want to uh, to um, salvage this investment? Oh no no you no don't no! Think no. That George no. Payton wants to salvage this investment. I'm, no, I to say fix Russell Wilson to me actually insinuates that. He's broken. Well, did you watch last year? Yeah, I watched quite a bit of last it year. It didn't go well. I, ca- it I caught some highlights. wasn't a good quarterback display out there. Was it? Uh, no. <sighs> I want to hear the sigh. No, no, you got the sigh. But to, f- to fix Russell Wilson is to imply what? That Russ was broken? Or, or was Russ just continually put into bad situation after bad situation? I mean, to me, that feels different. If you're there to fix Russell Wilson, I think you've got some major problems. I think if we're trying to fix him, I think it's trying to figure out Russell Wilson. It's trying to work with Russell Wilson. It's trying to make Russ work. Not cook, but work. I think there's a big difference with that. But if, if we're just getting caught up in semantics and we're saying the same thing, then I think, I think you know, we okay, are. Fine. I think we are. Yeah, I don't think he was broken. He didn't play well. Why didn't he play well? Was there a lack of cohesion on the offense? Was it, were his receivers not helping him out? Was there a psychological issue? Did Nathaniel Hackett put too much on his plate? Did Nathaniel Hackett not pay attention to the rest of the team? Did the offensive line play poorly? Did, did Nathaniel Hackett not stick to the game plan? Was he too too influenced by Russell's presence? Did they promise Russell Wilson things on the way in that weren't good for the team once they actually settled into what this meant? All of the above, man. This is a team sport. This is a, you know, football players, you got to remember from the time they're eight, to the time they're 35, the, the job description doesn't change. What's more broken then? I'll just go along with it. What was more broken, Russell Wilson or the Denver Broncos themselves? The Broncos themselves. I, I agree. Yeah. I think it's actually a much more of a bigger problem with the culture. Well, Russell had a role in that. Russell had an enormous role in that. They rolled out the red carpet for him, man. Last year he had a role in it, but you could make yeah. the argument the Broncos have been broken for the past seven years since they won the Super Bowl. Because they've been trying to replace Peyton Manning, and you can't do that. They've been trying to light switch it. What do you mean? It's a light switch. You don't want development. You, right. you just yeah. bring in one light switch after another, and the only time you tried development, you drafted Paxton Lynch, yeah. which was a terrible draft pick. 
And you shouldn't touch quarterbacks in the 20s because every team that needs one passed on them. All right, let me ask you this. Would Paxton Lynch have been a better quarterback with a with a better system, a better set of expectations, a better defense, a better running game? No, he was always going to be... A smarter play caller? Nope, he was always going to be a massive bust. And I'm learning that I am picking some things up from Hard Knocks this year. I am. Zach Wilson just was not ready to be a leader in the NFL. He just wasn't. But he's getting there. He's getting better. And I think it's it's. But does that I, contradict I think, the argument you're making there? Because I, I, yeah, maybe well, Paxton Lynch wasn't ready to be a leader, but he could have been. If no, he had, he's not the right person. Well, yeah, I mean, come on, they just you know have a five second conversation with the dude. I've never had one conversation. Well, I've stood in front of Paxton Lynch several times, and it's uh, it's a deep vacant void right there, my friends. It's it's you know guys who are leaders and who are not leaders almost instantaneously. You do. You just can tell. And that doesn't mean you can't be a leader as a young person. You can. Uh, but like in Zach Wilson's case, I think Zach's a relative leader, but not the leader they need. And he'll be better in two or three years. Some guys are just leaders, though, dude. They are. They're leaders at 18 years of age or 22. They're ready. Like Tim Tebow. Tebow's a leader. He wasn't the world's greatest thrower of the football, but you can't deny the guy was a leader. Ain't no doubt Tim Tebow was a great leader. His abilities caught up with him in the NFL. But what he was able to do at Florida and what he was able to figure out by hook or by crook in the NFL, despite a, a lot of basic quarterback throwing abilities, is remarkable. But he's definitely a leader. Quarterback leadership is important, but it's not as important as people think. Like, if, if you're in the locker room, players are not looking to the quarterback to to show them what to do, you know, because mm-hmm. you're in your position groups. Your, your leaders are there. Your, your coaches are on you about your job. You're not, you know, I'm not looking for the quarterback to inspire me with a speech or to tell me, you know, come on, man, we got to get this going. Like there's an internal voice that's doing that for me and for everybody else in that locker room. But the way you come to work, the example you're setting, that's leadership. You don't necessarily need to give speeches, right? Like there's quiet, Absolutely not. There's quiet leaders, like Correct. guys who don't talk a lot. You talk about Champ Bailey all the time as being uh, one of the better Definitely. leaders you've been around, but he didn't say anything. No, nope. and he was the last one on, first one off. Yeah, and he didn't lift weights. <laughs> the one the one year he lifted weights and went through Rich Student's program, <laughs> he hurt his shoulder, and he's like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> right. So so every, the leadership comes in different forms, and, and you have to be true to yourself, and players can see through the phone. And that's where the Russell Wilson thing can 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 reach a difficult point yeah. because is this authentic leadership or are you playing a part here? And I, you know, as a as a good judge of character, can see through it if you're not. Dude, I have such a great example about that, and I have audio from Russ about that very thing. I'll play it for you, and we'll get that Tony Scheffler audio, which is pretty funny, and uh, we he goose on Brand Stokely in a good way, a positive way. That's coming up next. We can get to that Drew Locke question in a little bit. That's a good question. Text line is good. You guys are sharp. 303-713-1043. Ramoslaw.com text line. So the Barstool fellas are sitting in their van talking to Tony Scheffler. Your bud. Yeah. Man, those are the days back there with Scheffler. Man, he caught hell his rookie year. I mean, just by, by, by from our tight end coach, Sam Brewster. I got, I got stories. I'm not going to tell them because I don't want to throw our boy Brew under the bus. But um, okay. it was tough love. 
Tony's, Tony's, this is a good one. Tony's first ever career touchdown, okay? Hmm. He kind of ad-libbed a little bit on the route, ended up open, catching a touchdown. Everyone's rejoicing. Everyone's celebrating as Tony comes to the sideline. Tim Brewster, not so much. He's mad. He's really mad. He pulls him over. And you always knew when Brew was mad because he'd yell and his teeth would be clenched while he was yelling. But he also dipped, right? So he pulled Tony <laughs> over and he grabbed him by the face mask and he started yelling at him. And he had a Copenhagen dip in his lip yeah. and the spit flew into Tony's eyeball and he had to get his eyeball flushed to get the Copenhagen spit out of his eye after his first career touchdown. Are you kidding me? No. Welcome to the NFL, He son. got dipped in the eye? Copey, man. You don't right. want that in your eyeball. No. That's where I wear glasses. Plus, I can't see. Tony Scheffler um, and Brandon Stokely's name comes up. This is back in the day. So Scheffler and Stoke and Orton. Yeah. They were all boys. I used to watch Stoke and Orton run gassers, with, uh, and they used to just, like, laugh at Tebow. Mean. Here's uh, Scheffler. What, what year is that? Orton story. Okay, yeah, yeah, let's, let's go. go. Um, so we would go out and party, you know, downtown, and he was one of the only guys that lived in uh, Cherry Creek, which is between the facility and downtown. He's talking about Orton. Yeah. He's talking about Orton. used to live in Cherry Creek. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never. Most of us all live by the facility, right? Well, he was a little, he was a little red wine guy, a little high, you know. <laughs> so he, uh, he stayed close to downtown. Red wine well, guy. Well, every time we came home, you know, when the bars let out, we would find our way at Orton's house and just... <laughs> Give his windows hell or front door, <laughs> and then we we scatter, and he'd come out whitey tidy, <laughs> you know, looking looking for us. And man, next day in facility, oh, someone knocking on my doors, my windows at three a.m. last night. Man, it went on and on. Like talk about a good dude, uh, Brandon Stokely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, was in that circle with Orton, me, and, and Stoke. Man, what a dude. Oh my God, were you ever part of that? Was that ever? Yeah, I was gone by then. But, um, you were gone by then, okay. But I okay. showed Tony the ropes. <laughs> and I cut him loose, man. Yeah, this was a really fun town to play in because there was a lot of opportunities for shenanigans. Yeah. The, the town really opened itself to you if, you if you wanted to go down that road. You heard him say... <laughs> The next day at the facility after yeah. being out till 3 a.m. Those yeah. were, that happens sometimes. Those you know were the days. Sometimes. Uh, work hard, play hard. Those, win win those, games. Yeah, it's a weird stretch, you know. Um, it was. That, was, that was the McDaniels. Yeah. yeah that didn't but, work out well. But Shanny missed the playoffs a lot, too, in his final. The final three years. Final few years. And, and what did that, I mean, what coincided with those? I mean, how many playoff wins did Shanny have in, like, his I'll last tell you, eight years? One? Well, this was the, this was the. The ascendance of the Peyton Manning Colts team that we had to that we ran into twice in a row, and you alluded to that earlier. But Jake Plummer, as a starter, was ten and six, ten and six, thirteen and three, seven and four, and then he got benched. Right. After that, our team fell apart, and we missed playoffs uh, the next three years, and that was the end of it right. for everybody. But right, right. but that's a really good record as a starting quarterback hey, right. in any town, no and doubt. I think you would take that from Russell Wilson this year if they finished eleven and six. Would you be happy with that? Oh my God! It'd be. Would it feel like you were yes. on the right path? Absolutely. I, I know what it felt like. I was on the air here when you guys went into those Colts games. I thought you could beat the Colts, and I was wrong. And it was ugly two years in a row. But I didn't think that before that game. I was like, "Let's go, let's go." I mean, let's go. We can do this. Yeah, it's gonna happen. And it, it didn't. And it was kind of a. It was a rough moment because it was like, "Damn, how far away are we?" Like, we are good enough to, to get into the playoffs, but we are not competitive with this team at all. It was rough to think, like, you know, what what would it take then? You know, right now it's like, 
damn, man, we were talking about just getting a winning record. I mean, what is it going to take to get nine wins? I cannot believe the Denver Broncos have not made the playoffs in seven years and have had losing seasons for the past six. I, I really, honest, can't believe. I just what do you can't think it, it is, really? What is it, really? It's not just the quarterback. I think it's the destabilization it? of the organization due ownership. to lack of ownership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it starts there. I think it, it had some wobbly legs while Peyton Manning was sort of, um, you know, he was, there, there was a lot of ugly stuff that was um, blanched over because of how good Peyton was. And frankly, Gary was a great coach, and they were, but they were, if you really dug deep into the organization at the time, there were some wobbly legs. What can I tell you? I mean, you could see it coming down the road because as soon as they announced Mr. B was stepping down, Nate, I mean, it didn't take a rocket scientist to just sort of do the math on who might inherit the team and what the relationships were. And they just could never, ever recover from that instability. And I think that's it. And I think John Elway, for as great as he was as a player, and as good as it was when he got Peyton in that stretch, he was equally as poor as a general manager with vision. And that manifested itself the most draft night 2018 when you took Bradley Chubb over Josh Allen. And that's kind of the end of the story right there. This this may be a, a hard question to answer, but how does instability at the top actually affect the play on the field? It takes a long time. That's a really good question. And, and you know, I used to talk about that all because the time. Because you still have coaches who are no ball and they're coaching ball yep. and they're being given the resources yep. to, to win games. They're yep. waiting for the same amount of time. They're on the practice. How does that actually affect the game? You're right about so much of that. And that's why it just it takes a long time for it to fizzle down out onto the field. But eventually what happens is there's no accountability. That's, a, that's eventually what happens. And there's no vision. And vision's got to come. And, and you could cover it over if you've got a leader who's got some strong ideas of, of development and vision. So it doesn't actually matter if you have a terrible owner, if somebody who's making all the decisions really has an idea of, of what to do and how to do it. But we didn't have that. So And then we didn't have strong enough ownership to sort of, you know, sort of say, you know, that's that. You can't do it until the very end when John Elway was pushed to the side, but John was still able to bring in George Payton. Like the guy that you're moving out was allowed to have a a significant decision about who was coming in. And I mean, why? But again, Joe Ellis, I think is a good person, but just was at a soft heart with a lot of things because he liked being around people and he liked people. And John was, you know, John is John. John is a hero here, rightfully so. And it's, it was just a difficult spot to be in. So you mentioned Joe Ellis, and Joe Ellis was um, involved in, in the organizational, operational stuff. And that really ran smooth, the community stuff, the awards sure. you get for, for, you know, for your employees being treated well. Like everything else the Broncos did as an organization was top-notch and continued to be even after Pat Boland was gone, right? Agreed. So then why is that reflecting poorly on the field? Because they Because they, of John Elway, you're correct, saying, correct. was empowered. Correct. Okay. Correct. 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 I always feel like I did something when I get the correct out of you. Correct. I mean, what else can you say? And it's tough, man. And George Payton doesn't have much of a vision either. And that's why he was an assistant for 14 years and not a general manager. But I think Greg Penner does have vision. I think he's got a ton of vision. I think he needed a year to get his feet wet. And unfortunately, it was a disaster in his first year that, you know, you could never really honestly see coming. And I think he's taken his time to figure things out 
and he's going in the right direction. And part of it, I call it the Welcome to Wrexham Factor, which is a great documentary with Rob McElhaney and uh, Ryan Reynolds, when they buy a whale soccer team and they just ask what needs to be fixed. Is there a sports documentary or docu-series that you haven't seen? Mm-mm, no. No, nope. and if there is one, tell me, and I'll watch it tonight. So in Welcome to Wrexham, they just, we need a coach, but we can't afford him. Well, now we can. we got to fix the stands. They're fixed. We need this player, Ollie, you know, Ollie Palmer. Got him. You know, we just did it, and, and they got promoted. It worked, and it's going to work for the Broncos, too. Mm. It is going to work for the Broncos, too. It just might not work right away right now. But I really, honest to God, think with the right ownership, and I think the Broncos do, I think that one of the best things the Broncos have going for them right now is ownership. How about that? Mm. You know, and I wasn't sure at first because it threw me off that he went and played golf instead of was here for Sean Payton when he signed as a coach. I was like, well, what the hell's that? But I'm, I'm way, 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 way over that. And I think there's so many good things they've done. I really love what they've done. And I think it's just going to keep better and better with uh, uh, with Greg Penner and Kerry Walton. And better just, with Penner. I think it is way better than I Penner. agree, but what about this idea? Because I agree with you, everything you're saying about the improvements being made. But the Broncos are not playing in a vacuum. They're playing against 31 other teams, all getting better as well. Yeah. So the Chiefs are the world champions. Yeah. The, the Chargers made the playoffs last year, and we're, and we're close to beating the, uh, the Jags out there. And what if the Raiders are good this year? What then? Because Devontae it's not Adams, just about Devontae your... Adams is still on the Raiders, isn't he? Yes. Max Crosby's still on the Raiders, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so what then? What if everyone else gets better too? Uh, you just gotta keep slugging away and doing the right thing. And and you gotta but, you gotta stay consistent. You gotta stay consistent. So I am rooting for Russ. Nate, I am rooting for Russ. Because, because starting all over again is depressing the hell out of me. And and they've made this commitment. There's not a lot of ways out of it. Not that makes sense. And, and Caleb Williams will take three years. Some team, it'll take three years, and you just never know, even with Caleb Williams or Drake May. You don't know. The, you, you don't know. It's like Billy Bean and Moneyball. You say you know, but you don't know. You don't know how it's going to go. But you have a better idea of what this team can do in this situation. So I am all for Russ. KJ, I'm all for him. I'm all for him. And, and you just, like, let's go. It is the best chance to succeed right now other than any other idea. This is gives you the best chance. Failing this year does not help you get better. I don't want them to fail. But but you are saying that if they don't win a Super Bowl in three years, Sean Payton's gone. I think so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. but I think the Penners are going to sell the team in ten years. You told me. I heard you say three they're going to sell. No, 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 no. The, the, the length of the lease of the stadium. Okay. You know, I... And I think that makes – I think I'm fine with that, too, because I think an NFL team in 10 years will be worth $20 billion. So why wouldn't they keep it for another 10 and make it a $40 billion? But they can team. if they want. It's a hobby for them. But it's a hobby that they're really into. They don't need it. There's no real answer why they're doing this. Give me an – all right. I'll, why? I'll, 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 hold on. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a commercial break here. We'll give you everybody. <laughs> and, and tell me why. Tell me why. And we'll hear Russ saying that uh, – he doesn't feel any pressure. I don't get nervous. This is the drive in the fan.
this song. I mean, I, I don't care. I don't care who you are. You know this song. I don't Dude. think there's anyone in the world who doesn't. In Hard Knocks, in the rookie show. Taylor Swift, right? They were singing this oh, with this the song. Jets. And the yeah. whole Jets team was, you know, screaming out. And they were doing an Eminem song. And it was great, too. They were into that, too. They had, they had, uh, Hard Knocks was better last night. It's still not good, but. I want it that I think way. you're an octave low on that. I think you got to go up a little higher. Oh, boy. Tell me why, with the ownership in the Broncos. Tell me why. What, what do you think it's all about for them? Why do you think they got into this thing? Tell me why. Why do you think? They love Colorado. Okay. They definitely had a relationship with Colorado. Ain't no doubt about it. This both, is the- both in... The Cherry Creek areas, they were pranking Kyle Orton as well and out in, <laughs> out in Aspen. They're red wine type of people, too. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Um, no doubt about that. This is the ultimate billionaire club. Okay. All right. Okay. There's billionaires out there who aren't NFL owners. Yeah. So this is the ultimate, like, exposure for a billionaire. Okay. And they're competitive. And they saw an opportunity here. No, they, they run Walmart. Of course they're competitive. They're competing with Target and Safeway. And well, they already buried Kmart. Amazon. Congratulations. Exactly. Um, and they wanted a new challenge. I think that's a bigger part. I think I think that's actually it. I, 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 I'm not saying they were bored, but I think they were, they're a family that is very competitive. Yeah. And they were ready for something new. They were ready for another challenge. It was the right time of their lives because they were about to become empty nesters. Their last kid was leaving for college, and I know what that's like. It's a, it's a trip. They also have strong feelings about Commissioner Goodall. <laughs> I don't know if they really, you know, I think they probably had a passing interest in football, or they... Look, I think it's like... Commissioner Goodall. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you, thank you. KJ. Look, they love Colorado, right? They already know that. They got a ton of money, and they want to get involved in a competitive venture. Then they find out the Broncos are for sale. Yeah. Boom. It all makes sense. It all comes together. This makes sense for us. Let's do it. Okay. How long do you need to scratch that particular itch? Forever. This is one. You, this is something you want to pass down to your kids. What if you? How do you know your kids want something to do with it? It doesn't matter if they want something to do with it. They're gonna. <laughs> you, they're gonna like it. You just foist it on your children. You gotta look into the Penner kids. They're pretty accomplished. Young people. And they're going to be great owners someday. I don't know if they're going to want to. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's 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 awful appetizing. But they're pretty accomplished in their own rights. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I could be wrong about the whole thing. But my feeling is they are going to... <laughs> save, do, save that audio. Uh, do, oh, sure. No, I, I'm, I, kidding. I, I, I'm kidding. There's, be, bad, there's better saved audio. Uh, they could... Listen, I do agree with you on being competitive and wanting to win and doing the best and welcome to Wrexham. Tell me what we need to do, and we're going to do it. I think they have shown ample evidence of all of that. And they were inheriting the trade for Russell Wilson. They did not inherit signing him to a new contract, but they were so fresh on the job, Nate. I mean, they were on the job for like, I don't know, man, two or three weeks when when that deal. That deal got done like kind of – Right around this time-ish, yeah. you know, last year during training camp. And if you remember the video, this is back when, um, you know, they showed us all sorts of insights of the Broncos. Not the uh, iron curtain that is Sean Payton in terms of uh, availabilities. But they showed us it was going to, like, the stroke of midnight. Like, we got to get this thing done. Like, 
But that was a deadline um, put forth by Russ's agent. Right. Right. And George Payton took the bait. Now, right. But but the, the Walton Penner group had to go along with it. They did. They could have said, hey, listen, I, I, let's I, play out his contract this year. Yeah. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. It, Russell would be happy to do that because then he could prove what he's worth. Who cares if the market goes up on quarterbacks? We're the fine. salary cap's going up anyway, and we have a ton of money. We don't care if it's $5 million extra million per year next year. Let's wait, a, let's wait a year and find out. But But likely all the football people they trust were like, hey, this is a steal. It is going up. There are like five different quarterbacks that are going to get way bigger deals than this. This is a bargain because he is going to work out. Yeah. And I bet you dollars to donuts, that's what they were told at the time by the football people they trusted. Because that story could have been true as well. Except for one problem. Russ was having a tough training camp last, last year. He was. And we were pointing out on a daily basis, this is a tough evaluation because it's uh, a training glamp. It's glamping with Nathaniel Hackett with aggressive walkthroughs instead of real practice. So it was kind of both things. Like, it wasn't great, but then again, is it not great because why? Because all these things happening, and then all the injuries. Everybody's going down. Everybody's getting hurt. Like, it's hard to just tell who's any good on this team. And so if you're the Walter Penner group, you could have done one of two things. You could have said, listen, this ain't how we do things at Walmart. We let things play out a little bit. We we gotta you know <laughs> it's not how we do things at Walmart. You know we we don't jump jump to conclusions like that. We let them play out. Or you could have been like, I trust you, I trust you, and I trust you. Everybody's telling me the same thing. I guess we'd be idiots to not do this. I met I met Sierra. She seemed cool. Let's sign him to the deal. How would last season have looked different if Russ hadn't signed a new oh, contract? Oh man, would he even be here. That is a damn good question. Would he even be on the team right now? Yeah. You don't think? I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I don't don't know, dude. I mean, think about it for a second. Season's over. Mm. You already got rid of Hackett. You got whatever contract you got for Russ. He would have had one more year, right? So this coming year would be his last year. Yeah, I think it's like thirty but, million or something, twenty nine million. But I don't know what the cap hit would have been with just one year. I, I'm gonna guess you could have survived it. I'll throw the question back at you. Let's say the contract isn't signed. Sean Payton, and everything goes lousy. Okay, so everything essentially does happen because what's the first move? You got to get a new head coach, but you don't have that Russell Wilson contract. What do you think Sean Payton would want to do? I think he'd want to play this year with Russ. Sign him to a new deal or not? No. See how it goes. Especially not after last year. We're not going to sign you to a new deal after I just saw that so last year. you think year. Sean Payton would be like, all right, I'll give it a shot for a year. Absolutely. And if things are going well during the season, maybe we can get that contract done. Righto. Let's, let's, see, let's see what we got to the bye week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if things are going well, let's get But now, now, of course, if things are going well, now you run the risk of Russ and his team saying, mm, I, don't, I don't think so, Broncos. I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to let it play all the way out. We're going to go to free agency. Okay. And so so then compare the, whatever contract he would have signed if things went well to the current contracts being signed by, you know, Jalen Hurts and whoever else recently. It's not that big of a difference. You're right. If things are working out, who cares? Well, I my mean, argument to your point would be how many times of quarterbacks, top-tier quarterbacks, they have gotten a free agency, have actually gotten a deal that they 
want or deserve? Well, I'd, I'd say most of them. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts got the contract he wanted and deserved. No, 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 no. I'm talking about they've gotten to free agency. Like, they were free agents. Mm. The last free, the high-level free agent quarterbacks? Yeah. There's not many of them. Hardly any, actually. Like, guys who are doing tours and being uh, wined and dined? I mean, dude, who? I mean, give me one. Was Kirk Cousins a free agent when he went to uh, Minnesota? That's, yeah, he was. Kirk Cousins, very good. He was definitely one of them. He was one of them. Sean Watson was not a free agent. Yeah, he was traded. He got no, a great contract. No, he wasn't. The best ever. He wasn't. Mahomes certainly wasn't. Allen wasn't. Uh, Jalen Hurts wasn't. I mean, it's it's. I mean, there's a lot of free agent quarterbacks. That's the Teddy Bridgewaters of the world, right? I mean, there's all Joe Flacco's of the world, Case Keenum's of the world. I mean, there's always guys like that. But the top guys, I mean, dude, it just it really doesn't happen. Doesn't really happen with like left tackles either. So if you're Russ, why would you even want to play that game with the Broncos? You'd bet on yourself like Kirk Cousins. You'd have to bet on yourself like Kirk Cousins. Russ seems like a guy who's going to bet on himself. Well, he does not lack for confidence, and he handles pressure. Um, yeah, pref- I mean, pressure is a privilege for sure. Um, do I feel the pressure? No. Um, but it's a know, privilege. I don't, run, I don't run from it. Does he feel the pressure? No. See, this is getting me in trouble, KJ. I don't, I don't get nervous. Because this is podium, Russ. I told you I like football, Russ. I struggle with podium, But, but aren't Russ. they connected? Kind of. They have to be. I hate it. I mean, come on, man. Do I feel the pressure? No. Um, you know, I, I, don't run, I don't run from it. You know, uh, I, I look forward to it. I run to it, if anything. I think we, we as a team, uh. you know, we're all in this thing together. Uh, we're all searching for one thing, and that's to get better every day. Um, we're not looking too far ahead. You know, all the guys today trying to learn as much as we can from today's practice, trying to learn for the next day, and use that experience. Uh, that um, but, I, you know, for me personally. That's you know, today. It just kind of goes on from there. That's from today. Yeah. yeah. I don't get nervous. I don't feel pressure. I run too pressure. I don't get nervous. I don't get nervous. I didn't sign up for tennis. I didn't sign up for tennis. A lot of season left. So this is his self-talk. Yeah. Okay, and, yep. and then the self-talk, which has allowed him to achieve a lot of great things in his life. Yep. He doesn't discern between the self-talk and the podium. You should, you should, there, there should be a difference there. Because the self-talk should, should be incredibly lofty. DMAC, when you look yourself in the, in, in the mirror, in I the eyes. I don't look the in things, mirrors, but go ahead. Yes, I know, theoretically. The things you tell yourself about your capabilities as a radio guy are pretty lofty, right? Or do you like, eh, I'm just kind of average and I don't know, I don't belong. You and- need to have a, a, a certain, in my opinion, a certain amount of confidence just to do what we're doing here. But I wouldn't, I, 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 I wake up every single morning a little nervous. Yeah. Well, so does Russ, but <laughs> he won't tell you that. No, but I think I really to- do wake up every morning feeling a little anxious. Yeah. Like, what's it going to be today? Yeah. I swear to God. That means you care, man. I do care. I mean, I you care, care a lot. I mean, I do care a lot. That means you care. That's a good thing. It's like the musicians, you know, they get a little nervous before they go on stage. That means you care. That means you want to do well. That's right. It matters to you, right? Absolutely. So does that mean it doesn't matter to Russ if he doesn't get nervous? Ooh, that's a good one, bro. Obviously not. I think he cares. He cares. Of course he cares. Yeah, he cares. 
He cares. But either way, like Russ has had a lot of success. However, this whole thing ends. You know, he's gonna he's gonna have this attitude for the rest of his life. Whatever he gets into next, whether it's media or inspirational speaking or business or whatever it might be, he's gonna have the same sort of tone here. I mean, that's not gonna change. Yeah, that's true. He's this is just his mantra. This yes. this is his this is how he got here. This is his own self brainwashing that he's just repeated to himself. I wouldn't even for call years. it self brainwashing because it's been effective. Okay. You know what I mean? It's it's not it's not delusional if there are yeah, results. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know about that, man. I don't know if he's kept this same mantra his whole life. I don't know when he picked this up. I don't know where this came from or when it came. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I, I severely doubt when he was at North Carolina State as an 18-year-old or at Wisconsin when he was 21 or 22, he was having these same type of thoughts. I don't think he needed to. I think he was just a kind of a freaky, bizarre, talented baseball football player. I mean, he was one of those guys, man. He was one of those guys. I don't know when he picked it up, dude. I have no idea. I have no clue. Well, he's credited a lot of his 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 the way he approaches sports to his mindset coach, the guy yeah, who Trevor. he lost a couple years ago. Yeah. So, so I'm sure that had something to do with it. Yeah. The people who his mentors who've inspired him over the years, his coaches he's had who believed in him. You know, I'm sure Pete Carroll has something to do with that. He was a very positive guy. He is a very positive guy. Mm-hmm. And he played for this dude for 10 years. That had to rub off on him, seeing how Pete Carroll came to work every day, defying his age, defying, you know. I'm just going to ignore podium, Russ. I don't care. I get it. You know, I'm, I'm focused on football, Russ. I'm rooting for football, Russ. Podium, Russ, to me, I don't know, man. Whatever. But football, Russ, I'm here for. And I think football, Russ, is getting better and better, and that's all that matters anyways. It is a weird thing, though, like how much does Podium Russ rub off on the other guys? And I'm not sure about that. Well, because some of Podium Russ is being translated in the huddle before giving the play, and the play clock is ticking down. Right. And you're like, you guys got to believe, man, everything (laughs) is possible in this life. It's like, give me the play. (laughs) 